Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Saddle hunting for me has been a complete, and I hate even saying the word, uh, game changer for how I how I like to hunt. If you've been thinking about getting into the saddle, now is the exact perfect time to do it. You have the entire spring and summer to kind of dangle in the backyard and get prepared for the upcoming season, be able to practice all your shots, getting in and out of the tree, experiment with your different climbing options that you have uh, to lighten your load and be more mobile. If you're interested in getting hooked up and getting into a saddle, I would definitely be checking out Tethered. They have Two great saddles out. One is the new Phantom saddle, which is killer. It has a bunch of new comfort features that are built into it, as well as a utility bridge to kind of help with lengthening and shortening the bridge to make sure you have the optimum comfort. And you can get the uh, the OG, as I like to refer to it, uh, that I've been doing my hunting out of the past couple of years, which is the, the Mantis saddle. I might also recommend the Predator platform, especially if you're transitioning from a tree stand to a saddle. It gives, just gives you that little bit uh, sense of familiarity that you would have with a, a platform under your feet that you would have that would be similar to a uh, similar to a tree stand. And it made my transition a couple years ago really seamless from tree stand hunting to to saddle hunting. So if you're interested in checking out more about saddle hunting in general, I would head over to tetherednation.com. Check out all their products. They have some killer YouTube videos. You will thank me later. The first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee, and I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee, as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 174. Today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Mr. Johnny Utah, and we're answering your listener questions. So stay tuned.
right, all right, all right. What is going on out there? Happy Wednesday to you all. Hope you are feeling well. Hope you are feeling fine. It is another Wednesday here in, I don't even know what day it is. I'm like 30, getting on to 40 days of, of lockdown. The beard is long. The hair is long. I'm looking like Tom Hanks and Castaway a little bit, minus the volleyball, and I'm usually fully clothed. Um, so that's probably a benefit to everybody actually, but I hope everyone out there is doing, doing well, trying to make our way through, uh, all these kind of weird, crazy times, the best we, uh, the best we can. The the big news this week for me was, uh, did, uh, another annual trip around the sun in the form of a birthday. Um, so that was always a good news, made it one more time around the sun without doing anything too terribly stupid to get myself killed. So that's always, uh, a vote of confidence for, I guess, my maturity and uh and 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 aging gracefully maybe if you uh if you will but it, it's funny because every year uh my wife asks me what i want for my birthday my wife and daughter and i and my answer has been the same for 20 years which is i want to be left alone for my birthday because i just want to have some peace be able to do whatever i want to do during the course of the day don't want to have to acquiesce to anyone else's demands or desires or wants wants to go do anything specifically I'm, I'm a little bit of a, you know, a lone wolf, if you will. Um, you know, I, I hunt that way and I also like to just kind of in general live that way. Um, and so this was the first year in 20 years. It took a pandemic to make it happen, but I actually got my birthday wish, which I was able to be left alone all day on my birthday, which was awesome. Threw some pork on the smoker, smoked up some pork, had some good food, um, did some stuff outside Actually, the highlight of it was is I actually cleaned out my garage, but it wasn't like you out there listening are probably like, man, you're an idiot. You clean out your garage on your birthday. It's like the one day that you could probably get away without doing any yard work. Uh, but it was actually for a good cause. I had some stuff I had to kind of get rid of and, and purge some some crap I had been wanting to go through and get rid of for, for since basically since we moved into the house, you know, going on, I guess it'll be three years this summer. Um, but it, the reason being is that I'm planning to get a kayak. I know I've been talking about water access. You've heard me talk about a couple of these places in and around where I live where water access will be key to hunting those uh, come this fall. And I've been doing my research. I actually was talking to our uh, my buddy that I had on the podcast not too long ago, uh, Parker McDonald. Uh, I was talking to him because he does a lot of kayaking and, of course, talked to my buddy Greg Litzinger because he does a lot of canoeing into places. It was just kind of trying to get a sense of what I wanted to use. I wanted something that was... Um, going to be light and manageable with one person, you know, cause I, I hunt by myself, you know, 98% of the time, um, you know, but wanted it to be big enough to where it's like, I wasn't going to have any problems with, you know, uh, rolling it in the water, which definitely don't want to do when it's cold out. Just de- definitely don't want to do just in general. Uh, but especially when it's cold. Um, so, you know, wanted something that was going to be stable, wanted something that was going to be big enough, you know, that I could haul what minimal gear I do have. <clears throat> and I also wanted just enough room especially in the, you know, what we're dealing with, with like the, in the social distancing and, and having limited options to do things recreationally. You know, I've been spending a lot of time hiking and stuff like that. We did some family time this weekend where we all went for a hike and spent the day outside and stuff like that, uh, which was really cool. But, you know, a kayak, I was like, that is just one other thing during the course of the summer. You know, my daughter maybe isn't so much into, into hunting per se, um, but she does like to fish. And so, and I haven't fished in years and I'm, I'm not a great fisherman by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll be willing to go out and get a, get a line wet, you know, every, every so often. And so I thought a kayak, you know, for hunting would be awesome. And then I got one, you know, I'm planning to get one that is just large enough to where I could fit her in it as well, where we could take some, you know, some daddy daughter fishing trips over the course of the summer and still, you know, 
be in uh, compliance with whatever regulations we have going forward throughout the throughout the summer months and 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 so forth. So did did my research. You know what I ended up settling with was a ten foot uh, kayak. Um, actually, I think I'm going to be getting a a new canoe kayak. Um, I just kind of liked it. It came on a recommendation from someone who I uh, who I trust who who have been kayaking for uh, some time. And they had a lot of really great things to say about it. Um, at some point, you know, I'm going to probably keep it pretty uh, low-fi to begin with um, until I kind of get my bearings about me. It's one of those things where I'm a complete noob when it comes to kayaks and boats and of any sort and stuff like that. So I'm probably going to, you know, order it this this week most likely, um, take a couple weeks to get in, then I'm just going to kind of use it as is, um, uh, you know, for the time being until I kind of, start figuring out what type of things I think I might need to, to put on it. You know, I think at some point down the line, I'll get some type of trolling motor, especially for any places that I need to like, you know, kayak in really far, uh, or, or whatever. Um, you know, it might be of benefit also, you know, whenever I have the kiddo out and stuff like that, cause I don't think she's going to be a huge fan of helping to paddle. So those are really kind of the updates for me. The one other thing I wanted to mention before we get ready to get started with this, uh, with this session is uh, I still have the Skull Brew Coffee promo going on. Promo code TRUTH uh, will get you 15% off of any of your purchases. Now's a great time, you know, whether it's Skull Brew Coffee or any other business that's supporting conservation, now's a great time to, to, to support them even more so. As you can imagine, a lot of the uh, conservation groups, organizations, uh, conventions, and, and uh, you know, in-person events and stuff like that where they do a lot of their fundraising, of course, has taken a big hit during the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff. Um, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, so they're, you know, they're hurting a little bit in the fundraising department. And so, um, you know, some folks may not be able to re up their memberships, you know, and their membership dues and stuff like that. And so like everybody else, they're, they're, they're taking a hit on the, on the financial front. And again, I'm the last person who's going to tell anyone what to do with their money. But if you are buying pro, you know, general household products, you know, whether it's coffee or anything else, um, you know, I would just ask you to consider looking at those that support, you know, some type of conservation organization or, or, or 2% certified or something like that. That way, not only are you getting a good product and a product that you want, but you're also putting money toward, uh, or helping to put money toward supporting these conservation organizations that could certainly use, uh, your money like many others could, uh, during this time. So that's my, my stump speech for, for this session. So, have a cool session for you today. Uh, I started doing something a little bit different. I've done two of them so far, and I'll probably do a couple more here as we go. Um, but I started doing some Instagram live <clears throat> podcasts, kind of live and in the in the flesh podcast, where I get on with a guest. Last week it was Beaumart, or two weeks ago it was Bill Martonic, um, and then this past week Johnny Utah and I did one together. And you know, Bo and I just did a normal session. The one John and I did, we actually answered listener questions. Um, and so this audio, as you'll notice, as we jump to it, will be a little bit different than what you're probably used to, um, just because I was using some different mics and stuff like that to do the Instagram live recording. But with that, it was a little bit of a, uh, this one has a little bit of a twist. You know, we answered some of your normal, uh, hunting related questions, which I always enjoy, you know, he and I always look forward to answering questions, you know, from, from you guys out there on things related to hunting. It's of course what we're passionate about. But given this weird kind of strange time, you know, we did get some questions um, related to business. Uh, so if there's any small business owners out there that are listening or just business owners in general that are that are listening out there, um, it might be something you might want to might want to listen to. Um, I don't want to say extra closely, but it's it's just a little bit of a twist on on our content. It always kind of pivots back to the hunting industry to, to a degree because that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, but maybe what I haven't shared as much about in the past is that 
that's actually what I do for a living. Um, you know, I've been doing it for, I don't even know how long now, but I work on building brands, um, you know, in the marketing, uh, in the marketing arena, I've worked for a marketing agency going on a little over a decade now. Um, you know, a bunch of different areas, whether it's media or whether it's social or whether it's social strategy or whether it's uh, business strategy, brand strategy, I've kind of had my hands in all those, uh, different areas. Um, and this was just an opportunity. I thought it was really cool for John and I to kind of talk about it. John, of course, has been out on his own as a business owner, uh, on multiple occasions and, and, and definitely now as a, as a photographer and videographer and as a freelance kind of brand, uh, manager. And so John brings a different kind of end of the spectrum where it's like, I've been more, you know, on the marketing agency side of things, uh, my entire career. Um, and John has been more of a, you know, do it yourself has, you know, really kind of self-taught self-made person, which is, which is really cool. So there's two, we have two kind of different per different perspectives that are both, you know, equally valid. So, um, it really gave us a cool opportunity to kind of talk about things a little bit differently. I always, you know, it's one of those things where I do this every day for work. So sometimes I don't like to talk about it after work. Um, but in this case, you know, some of the questions that were posed were really kind of interesting and, and forced me to kind of think uh, critically about what's going on and what it means uh, in the world today and what's happening in business, you know, financially and how brands are going to have to like, you know, rethink and reimagine, uh, reimagine their work and, and reimagine their world. Um, you know, coming out of this. So with that, I would just say that if you're a small business owner, you know, or someone out there who runs a business of some sort, um, and maybe you're looking for, you know, just someone to bounce some ideas off of, or get someone to give you some, some thoughts or just a, an extra, an extra brain on something, you know, feel free to reach out to me, um, send me an email, you know, or shoot me a message on Instagram or whatever. I'm always happy to kind of help, you know, give my two cents about, uh, about a topic or, you know, where I see where things might be headed. Or, um, if you want me to evaluate something, I can take a quick look at anything and, and kind of give you my, my, my point of view on it, especially in this time. I think, you know, we all need to kind of pull our resources together and the things that we're good at or the things that we might be skilled in, um, and try to help each other out as best, uh, as best we can to make it through these, uh, these odd and crazy times. So, so with that, we'll get on to the show as always. Thank you all for listening. Welcome to uh, podcast episode number two of the Instagram live happy hour on a Friday night. I've got a little tipsy glass here. So cheers to you on a Friday. Nice. Look at you. Mm -hmm. I'm jealous. I literally just uh, came in for my I know. <laughs> I was going to literally tell you like to go grab a, go grab a drink since it's Friday night. And yeah. I got a little, I'm working on a little, uh, resurgent i'm down here in my bar so i got a little resurgent pennsylvania uh pennsylvania Dude, look at you. awesome yeah. yeah so you know it's it's friday night man you know another long week you know so yeah. we're ready to have a ready to have a good time and have a little bit of bourbon talk a little hunting talk a little bit of uh everything but john was uh we had to delay it an hour because we had a food plot delay yeah that we did that's my fault sorry guys no man it was uh would you uh was it over at the lease is that where you were at yeah Yep, yep. Yep. That small, um, that small plot. I was trying to get it done today. We've got possible some rain coming in in the next couple of days. So I wanted nice. to just get it done and get it over with. I had half of it done and, and, uh, I had ordered some more seed and it hadn't come in yet. And, um, I got a notification when I was leaving the property that UPS had just dropped off a package of some more seed. So nice. I'm like, Oh man, came home and you know, bombed back over there. Right. Nice. What'd you put in there? Is, that's where the box blend is at, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this year I'm just doing all clover chicory blend. Um, 
you know, just go with the tried and true. Sometimes yeah. that's, you know, better off, but, um, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Man, I'm telling you what, you know, like soybeans are good. Corn is good. Um, turnips can be good. Radishes can be good. The things that will always be good is clover and alfalfa. Yep. You yeah. know, and the more and more I plant plots over the years, man, I just stick to the basics. Yeah, I know. That's what I've had the best luck with too. This yeah. year, I didn't, this year I didn't get a chance to get back to do any. Usually, what I've been doing at my dad's place is just doing a little frost seeding. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we don't have a whole lot of equipment back there. We, I should say we don't have any equipment back there to do much. So yep. I turned over the the ground there one year, and then since then I've just kind of done some frost seeding and stuff like that to kind of try to keep it going for like early spring and then into summer or whatever. And it worked really well last year, but this year with the whole you know pandemic and all like the the craziness and whatnot, I haven't had a chance to. To get back, and of course, it's I'm not going to have a chance now at this point. So it's just going to have to be what it's uh, be what it is this year. So sure. Well, cool, man. I think we're going to answer some listener questions to start, man. We got a few uh, questions in. Um, okay. We're running the gamut a little bit on this session, man. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We got a little bit of hunting stuff. We got a little uh-huh. bit of bi- a little bit of business stuff, which is kind of cool because we've never had those before. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny since you and I both work in the marketing world. You know, so yeah. we have have a little bit of knowledge, if you will. Yeah. Um, and we get lucky every once in a while. Yeah. Blind squirrel <laughs> finds a nut once in a while. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm a volume shooter. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So, so the first one we have here, this is actually kind of a, a an interesting one and I'll let you take this one first. Um, it, they say, they're asking, what do you value more? And this isn't in the business sense. I think this is just in general. What do you value more, intelligence or common sense? What's up, Shine? Com- common sense. Shine oh, um, Wilson Beard Bros. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he, yes. He wishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to answer that question, common sense um, all day long. You know, I mean, you can always make the argument that strong intelligence is good. But I always go back to if if you don't know how to apply it or to read the new information as it's coming in in real time, you can't make those adjustments, whether that be hunting in business. um, It all happens so fast. As we know, hunting, everything evolves sometimes by the seconds. And, you know, with social media um, and just we'll call it the interweb. Information is consumed so fast and things change so fast. So I think common sense. Yeah, that's my answer, Alex. Uh, nice. Yeah, I think mine is uh, I'm going to take the the classic like uh, marketing strategist guy kind of answer, which is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it, it varies. <laughs> it varies. Um, yeah. No, it, it, I would think about it in in the sense of what's the length of like what's the length of time I'm going to be with this person or, or need this person or, or what's their usefulness going to be for me, if it's a project or if it's something that's long-term, you know, and I'm involved, I would probably opt for intelligence. Cause I feel like I would, I would need to be leading and stewarding whatever that thing is to begin with. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. with that, I can, if I'm, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So I want intelligence yeah. around me. Cause at that point, I think that like, through leadership, I can get us to the right place by challenging it. They may know more than me, 
and that's fine, but I'm going to challenge them in critical ways Mm -hmm. to get us to the ultimate, to the optimum spot. I think in the short term, I think I'm with you where it's common sense all day long because I don't have time to try to suss out your theories. I need you to come to me with like really kind of pragmatic approaches as to what the, you know, you know, most viable solution is in the quickest turnaround in the quickest turnaround time. And so I think that that's kind of how I would answer. And I think about it too. I think even in hunting, like I think we approach it the same way where it's like this time of year during the off season, I'm looking for intelligence. I'm looking for guys who know more than me. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean necessarily they're able to apply it in the timber as quickly as maybe I could or someone else I know could or whatever. Right. Right. Cause I'm going to quickly distill down what they're telling me and go, all right, these are the three things that that whole two hours of talking to them these are the three things that I'm actually going to be able to take and apply, you know, and that's the common, and that's the common sense factor. So that's kind of how I look at it is, you know, what is the needed outcome and how much time do I have? You know, very, very, very solid answer. And that's, that's one of the things you and I, we joked about the other day, just on the phone. We're like, we agree about 80, 85% of the time. Mm -hmm. And the other 15%, you know, we, ah, touche. I like that, you know? So, um, uh, no, there's, there, I don't think there's a wrong answer there, yeah. but, um, it's, um, yeah. Intelligence yeah. and common sense, both. Yeah. I mean, obviously both important, both important. If it's, if it's, if the decision is, or if the scenario is, is who am I hanging out with? I'm going common sense. Cause I meant, I've met plenty of smart dumbasses. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> All right. So this next question, I'll, I'll toss it out there. You tell me if you want to take it first or if you want me to take it first. I really like this question. It's, in, okay. it, it, it's interesting. It's a business question. Okay. Um, and so this person writes in and says, in your opinion, how, would, how will COVID-19 impact retail heavy brands in the next 12 to 18 months? So that's a pretty, that's a pretty specific and pointed question. It is. It is. Um... I've got an answer kind of prepared, um, but I took the last one first. So okay. you, you, I'll tip the hat. You go first. Sure. So I think, you know, I think whenever you deal with something with this magnitude, you know, the one thing you kind of always have to kind of keep your eye on are the large scale behavioral shifts that are going to take, that are going to take place with the consumer. I think anyone that thinks this is like a blip on the radar and look, I'm not advocating that this is a bigger deal than it is or a smaller deal than it is. That's not what the, point point of the conversation is but i think you can't short change or be short-sighted on how much of a long-term impact even through even a month two months whatever the case might be of changing people's behaviors and what that does to them not just the next 12 to 18 months but in like the next 10 to 20 years right because if you look back to like the great depression and the, the world war ii era like that changed two generations of behavior Because it was not only my grandparents and how they approached buying and how they approached life, but it was also my dad and that and that generation and how they kind of viewed the world as well. So I think you have to think of it not just in this like 12 to 18, you know, kind of 18 month life cycle. I think it's much longer than that. So I think pandemic behavior will be much more permanent than we probably than we probably want to think that it is. I think Mm -hmm. from a business and retail perspective, I think you're going to see. Not that this wasn't already happened, but I think you're going to see a abrupt shift into the digital landscape, which was already happening, but it's just going to it's just yeah. going to expedite now because that's the place where people have to go to to sell at this point because retail is just I mean they're 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 closed right they're they're not open right now. 
I think in, in behavior-wise, people are getting more and more comfortable with using the online kind of mode of buying, whether it's groceries or whatever the case might be. You have people who are going to be germaphobes, right, who are going to still like it's going to impact them, them in that way to where even like trade shows and stuff like that aren't mm-hmm. going to necessarily be the same as you go forward because there are going to be people that just aren't going to be willing to, you know, make uh, to take that leap because, you know, could this thing come back in, in a year in, in the fall or whatever the case is? Sure. I mean, I think the part, one of the po- like possible outcomes is this becomes almost like an influenza where it comes back yearly and then there may sure. be a new strain every year or every other year. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. the, the psyche of people thinking like, Holy shit, Corona's back and I got to deal with it again. Right. It's just like, even right. if it's, even if it's a much to a much lesser degree, people still get that kind of, in their mind and it becomes a trigger for them. Right. You yeah. know, to a point, hundred percent. I think brand loyalty is another thing that is going to be, that's going to be challenged in, in a couple of different ways. I think one, when you're talking about the hunting space in particular, you know, it's a pretty commodity he- heavy, uh, commoditized market. Right. And, and in saying that, you know, you basically are saying that all the products for the most part in whatever category within the hunting industry are pretty much at parity with one another. There's no one who's really like leaps and bounds innovating above someone above the next brand or or product. Everyone is sure. basically trying to win on price point and features. And when yep. you're doing that in a retail sense or just in a sense at all, you're setting yourself up to for there be a lot of fluidity in brand and brand loyalty mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a degree. And I think you're also going to see, you know, folks who are having problems with with supply chain issues and stuff like that to where if they shift, if they're not available, whenever that consumer is now ready to buy online and they go to brand Z instead of brand X, all of a sudden now that brand loyalty is now with brand Z, right? Because you missed that opportunity. Yep. And so yep. I think there's going to be a little bit of that. I think there's, you know, the economic reality. People just aren't going to have a, have disposable income, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like there's a lot of folks who are, you know, struggling financially and um, just not going to have that disposable income. I know, I know for me personally – you know, I'm okay for right now, you know, my, I'm pretty secure in, in my position at, at work and so forth. But even me, it's like, you know, I'll be the first to admit I buy stupid shit all the time. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll be like oh, I want one of those, you know? Um, I'm, I'm pretty impulsive. Yeah. And I've, I've been mindful about it to where it's like, I felt bad. Like I bought like a $9, like little, like army jacket to use as like an extra base layer the other day. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. I've been one of those. And I yeah. was like, and then I felt bad because I just bought a nine dollar. Because part of it is not because I can't, but because I'm also thinking like, man, there's people out there that just literally probably don't have the nine dollars to spare right now, and here I am buying something stupid, you know, what I mean, uh-huh. for nine bucks, you know. And so, <laughs> so I think that that's like my long winded answer. I think that there's going to be a paradigm shift in how people consume and their behavior as consumers, and uh-huh. I think that brands that are set up digitally already are going to kind of be ahead of the game a little bit. It's not that they're going to win necessarily because there's other things at play. And then, you know, I also think just from, if I went into the brand side of things, I'm like, you got to have a long-term view of building brand and not being looking at quarter to quarter because you're going to lose quarter to quarter right now. And you got to be looking to build long-term brand. And I think providing value and being a content marketer versus a product feature benefit and price point marketer, if that makes sense. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. 
Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah. No, I mean, it's this, this thing that's going on. It's definitely going to change, um, change the way a lot of people are doing business. I think it's going to, some people who have been doing the right things, um, are kind of getting to tip their hat saying, ah, you know, this, this is working. I think it's going to shed light on some sales and some marketing procedures, um, that are not doing it correctly, you know, direct to consumer business models. Um, this can be a great opportunity for them because if you're, if you're heavy, heavy on retail, and you're focused on the retailers doing your sales and now they're closed and you don't have, um, if you don't have an e-commerce platform or a direct consumer business model, they're hurting. They're, they're going to hurt, you know, prior to this COVID thing, I always harp on customer service because yeah. if somebody is using brand a, and then they have a bad experience with brand a, now they shift over to brand B. So they brand A dropped the ball. And now brand B has a chance to establish that rapport and get that loyalty and, and with that customer. And then they'll, they'll never change until they have a bad experience, maybe. So to your point, when companies that are not able to reach their customers online or digitally, that is giving people the opportunity to go shop for who can. So they may break their loyalty and go to that online outlet. Um, economically, I'm really concerned. You know, me as a photographer and with Arrow Wild TV, the hunting show, I'm not seeing the effects yet. But let's say brand A, brand B, brand C, they have a real shitty year this year. So when I go to renew contracts in January, that marketing budget may get cut. Yeah. Um, so that's where it's going to, it's going to affect me. Um, I've, I've been pretty busy still lately. I've been doing, still doing some photo shoots. Um, I've had a couple that have canceled any of the large, you know, if there's 10 or more people, right. Um, those have canceled, but some smaller shoots. And when I say small, I just mean small groups of people, um, you know, went down to Florida, did some work with Whitetail Heaven Outfitters, and then just recently got home from South Carolina with Heroes Outdoor Therapy, actually a group, uh, a company that's based out of your home state in Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Um, good friend of mine, Leslie, she uh, she booked me to come down there and, and uh, for a photo shoot. And it was nice. There was there was two hunters plus her. She, well, I shouldn't say two hunters. There was three hunters total because she was hunting as well. Um, so there's three hunters and then the owner of the place. So all in all, there's five people. And, right. Um, so I'm not discrediting, like you said, I'm not discrediting anything with this coronavirus. I'm not saying that it's going to be more than what it is. I'm not saying that it's going to be less than what it is. Uh, I will say that I am more concerned economically about Corona than I am the illness. Right. That's what really concerns me. And not just me being greedy, looking out for my own six, but like I look out for other companies um, just the other day I was talking to my buddy, Sam Gaylord, you know, old barn taxidermy, they've got your deer yep. and they do my work and they run their tannery and they did a ton of tanning work for other taxidermists. And they're like, Hey man, we're shut down. So he's like, oh, crap. You know, I just, 
paid my guys a couple of weeks of labor yeah. doing hides that aren't going to be picked up for a long time. So, you know, it's, it is putting people in some tight spots and they're having to readjust and refocus bourbon barrel calls. Um, there was a lot of my components that I got ahead of the curve and was inventory heavy. There was some that I was not inventory heavy on. And, um, you know, the guy that engraves all my soundboards, he's out of Illinois and they've been shut down for a while. So, um, that's created some delays. Uh, everybody's been pretty understanding. Everybody gets it, you know, Hey, there's going to be some delays and stuff, but, um, yeah, I'm concerned about the economics. I think marketing gurus are scratching their head and if it's done right, then I think people can make a a real win on this. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want anybody to twist my words. And when I say win, I don't mean capitalize on the fate or the bad fortune of somebody else. I'm saying that they can keep their businesses afloat and they can continue, you know, sometimes just trading dollars is keeping the lights on. Yeah. They can stay afloat through this and then they can come out. I hope that everybody is able to rebound. Um, and I, and this is where brand loyalty, like we talked about is going, it's going to be tested yep. for sure. Um, I'm a, you know, me, myself, I'm a very, very brand loyal person. I grew up in Kentucky with NASCAR. So by God, if Jimmy Johnson <laughs> wrecked Tony Stewart, I'm only going to home Depot. I won't right. go to Lowe's. Uh, right. I'm a very loyal, you know, brand loyal person. And, and one of these, this quote that I came up with recently is, um, People first, product second, but they both got to be damn good. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And I hope that other people uh, see things like that, you know, yeah. at the same time through uh, through all this stuff. But yeah. it's, um, there's going to be thing. a lot of changes. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. I think there's two things I wanted to build on. One was, you know, you mentioning, you know, that, you know, there could be some positives that kind of come out of this or whatever. And that's, I try sure. to look, I try to look and find, you know, what, what's the silver lining. Right. And you, to your point, you don't want to build success off of other people's failures or whatever, but the reality yeah. of it is, and you and I both know this and everyone out there listening knows this is that yeah. there are going to be small businesses that don't make it right. That's just the reality. I mean, yeah. there are some that haven't made it already. Right. They're already Correct. There. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I look at it for me, like with, with Skull Brew Coffee, right? Like our next step would be like at some point, you know, we, we had the same thing as you. We had some supply chain issues, which now it's yep. like they seem to be figured out now. So I think we're good to go again, finally. But, mm-hmm. you know, if we wanted to have a place like a coffee shop and do the roasting there and do all that kind of stuff, it's like like six, eight months from now is probably a prime time for us to look to do that because, man, there are going to be a lot of, of storefront, retail storefront shops hurting for lease dollars. Right. Yeah. And so you can yeah. probably get in and negotiate a pretty good deal because everyone's going to be looking to fill space as quickly as they possibly can. You know, and if, right. you, and if you have the, the right business plan in mind, you can go, okay, I know I'm going to be able to afford X, Y, and Z for the next five years. So let me lock into a five-year yeah. lease or, yeah. or a 10-year lease or whatever. So I can lock into those dollars at a low, at a low rate or at a, at a low cost. Right. And so that I yeah. think is one of the silver linings. The other thing I wanted to touch on too, when you talked about retail and like, you know, in the store and so forth, the other thing too, that's interesting is that, you know, a lot of these retailers are going to end up doing some form of either consolidation of their distribution, like how they get their products to them. Right. Or Mm -hmm. consolidation of stores alone. Right. And change the geographic or regional maps in which they kind of uh, uh, service to a degree. Right. So if Mm -hmm. Philly has five stores, 
it's feasible like 12 months from now they have one of that of that retailer right just mm-hmm. because they have to close some doors um which changes the dynamic of that of that you know retail heavy product kind of footprint right because now if you're selling just make it up i'm selling 10,000 units of whatever widget to bass pro shop for example mm-hmm. right and now all of a sudden bass pro shop went from having five stores in this region to having one store in this region well they're not taking all those SKUs anymore right That's so right. what's yeah. happening what's happening there right and yeah. so it's that dynamic is also going to be at play for all those retail heavy um you know he- heavy brands you know i just think it's interesting i think it's going to force brands i think sometimes the positive out of this is going to force brands to figure out how to do things a little smarter because I've always said, I know you and I, we didn't have an argument about it. We had a discussion about it where I was like, man, the first, bro, the first bow brand that figures out how to do online e-commerce sales first is going to absolutely murder it. And I was like, and you know, you made the obvious statement, which was like, man, bow is such a feel thing. Like you got to shoot it. Right. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but so is putting on pants and wearing glasses and man, like Warby Parker's killing it and Stitch Fix is killing it. And like all these other, like. There's a way yep. to figure it out, and it's going to be those who are smart and nimble and willing to kind of push the envelope and innovate how they do their business. They're ultimately yeah. going to be the ones who kind of win and come out on top. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. So all right, I see Wilson keeps chiming in with his uh, with his comments every every so often. So I don't know, he might still be out in Wyoming. I think he was chasing birds in Wyoming this past this past oh, week. Oh, cool. He missed the bird. I don't think dudes ever missed a bird in his life. Oh so, man, I've been there. I got to cut a shirt tail off when he comes back. I mean, I shouldn't talk. I missed like a deer two different times in Iowa, so I should probably just shut up now. <laughs> All uh, right. So here's a, a hunting related one. Okay. Uh, this is about our setup, man. So I'll go ahead and let you take a swipe at this one first. It's uh, okay. what is your arrow setup, and uh, how many arrows do you typically carry carry in the timber with uh, in your quiver? I carry five, uh, carry those, um, carry five of those bullets, uh, shooting the black Eagles. Um, and I tuck those into a tight spot quiver. It holds five really well and, and, and really tight and secure. You can adjust, um, for the different diameter arrows. So I, I, I like that feature a lot, but, um, I don't know that I've ever had to dig past. Well, no, I take that back. Montana antelope. I've gotten deep into that quiver before, <laughs> before I, uh, I topped off, you know, um, right. top that one off, but, uh, I am running a 494, um, 494, 496. That's, you know, top to bottom. That's where I'm at. And that's completely uh hundred grain, you know, broadhead. Um, I'm shooting the uh, black Eagle renegades. I like that thick, uh, that thick diameter wall on those. And, um, I run a four inch arrow wrap and blazer veins and luminoc lighted knocks. So that does add a little bit of weight. Um, and it does add some tail weight, mm-hmm. but I'm not one of those crazy, crazy FOC guys. Um, this tells you how little I really focus on FOC. If it flies right, I'm good. And that's it, man. If I balanced my arrow, if this was my broadhead and this was my luminoc, I'm right at about that one third line mm-hmm. is where mine would sit. That is, is like, it's going to kill, that, it's going to kill deer. 
That, yeah, that, that's as far as I take it. I mean, I know people that incoming call. Come on, kill that. Um, that's as about as close as I'll I'll get to any kind of math on FOC. Right. Yeah. No. And what? Uh. And you said you're running 100 grade broadhead. What broadhead mm-hmm. is it again? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, I run. So last year I shot the G5 Montec and the G5 Striker. Um, the V2 Striker. Now they have upgraded both of those. So this year I'm going to be running the G5 Montec M3, which all they did was just close in uh, those gaps in there, makes it a little quieter. Okay. And then I'm also running the uh, G5 Striker X. So instead of a three blade, it's a four blade, but both are fixed. And um, the Striker X has already got one. It's already got one kill on it already down in Florida. So that it does. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you're killing birds with a bow. That's I'm not that, I'm not that adventurous any longer. I, I tried it a couple seasons and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out for me. I was like, I can't kill him <laughs> with a gun, dude. So what was I thinking? Trying to take it. You know? uh, man, for me, dude, I'm running, uh, I use uh, all day six uh, gear, yep. uh, mm-hmm. everything, arrows, components, veins, broadhead, you know, everything from soup to nuts is what I'm running my arrow is about 480 grains roughly is what it is you know when it's all complete i don't run any wraps or anything i do use a lighted knock and i forget for the life of me what lighted knock that i'm using um and it worked well last year so i'll probably stick with that brand. i think it's called something 10 or 10 point or knockout or something like that i forget the exact name of the brand um give but, me uh, your uh give me your id i'll get you some luminox all right cool yeah i'll, I'll get you that um yeah. and then uh the uh for my broadhead i'm running 100 grain broadhead and it's the uh the evo that day six makes it's a single bevel with a bleeder um killer broadhead i actually shot it against some other broadheads last uh last fall just out of curiosity because for the longest time i had used a different uh fixed blade um and was hesitant to make the switch and so i did some shooting in my backyard just to kind of see how they would fly out to 40 yards wanted to make sure they were going to land and i was actually shooting more consistent with the with a single bevel so that was what i ended up putting on uh my arrow and then my insert kind of setup is insert outsert setup, and that is a fifty grain insert and outsert uh, outsert setup. So I actually have a lot out front. It was funny. I was just curious, so I did the math. It's like I want to say I almost have like thirty percent out front. I had no clue until we got on this. So I actually checked it right before we got on. Just I was curious, and uh, and I was like, man, that's a lot out front. I used to run one hundred twenty five grain broadhead, uh, not this past season, but the season before. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, gave me even more out front, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. but I just couldn't get this bow when we were tuning it at, at 26 and a half inch draw. So my arrow is at about 27, 27 and a quarter inches. Once I had all that out front, the way my arrow was coming out, I just wasn't able to get it to paper tune correctly. Mm-hmm. And we kept moving my rest and, and working with things and stuff like that. My buddy Greg just kind of like porpoising. Yeah, it was actually coming. If I'm remembering correctly, I had a low tear that I couldn't get out of it. It was because when it was coming off the string, I had so much weight out front that it wasn't allowing the arrow to kind of like, kind of restabilize, kind of plane out. Yeah, right. And so Greg and I were we shot a bunch of different, you know, a bunch of different times through paper, trying to move the rest, trying to get it figured out. And you know, I shoot 71 pounds is what I'm pulling back. And so he was like, you know He's what? So Let's strong. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like a buck 60, like five, eight, like, um, but, uh, he was like, man, he's like, just, he's like, let's try a hundred grain 
you know, a uh, uh-huh. fuel point on it just to see if that changes it. He's like, cause I feel like you might just be a little heavy out front and it's just causing us problems. I put a hundred grade head on it and it was shooting bullet holes. There you and go. It, and yeah, Problem so at solved. that point I was like, you know what, I'm going to, and that was the thing. Like I actually did a podcast with uh, Brian Broderick, which will come out after this one comes out um, where he's the, he's the owner of day six. And we talk a lot about arrow setup and stuff like that, because a lot of people, I think get so hung up in like the weight of this and that like, yeah, you want to shoot yeah. a heavier, a heavier arrow, you know, type of you know thing. Cause you want that, you want that kinetic energy down, down range. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a point where he's like, you don't need to be weighing everything and matching everything. He was like, look, he's like, if you're within 10 grains of, you know, your, what you're shooting practice with and what you're hunting with, it's like, with, if it's within 10 grains, he's like, or if each arrow in your quiver is within 10 grains, He's like, you're good. He's like, the only people who are going to yeah. notice that 10 grain difference, that guy's name is Levi Morgan. You know, yeah. he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's like, and that's it. You know, he's like, people that are hunting, he's like, are never going to notice that difference in a, in a hunting scenario. You know, he's yeah. like, so all that matching and stuff, he's like, if, if you're into it and it makes you more comfortable with your gear, he's like, cool. He's like, if not, he's like, it's probably not going to make a difference in, in where you're, in where you're landing. He's like, the key is, he's like, is that if you get a, a, a arrow that's shooting true out of the bow, you're good. You know, yeah. and he's like, that's, that's, that's all you need. He's like, you don't need to have like, he likes heavy arrows, but it doesn't need to be ridiculously heavy. He's like, it should be heavy enough for the performance of the bow and what it needs to sure. do. It's kind of yeah. like the, so that's where I'm at, man. That, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with the setup. I'm going to roll it out again next year and, uh, yeah. and be good to go. So anything else to add there for your arrow setup or anything? Are you smooth on that one? I'm smooth. Smooth up in you like the London bullet boys. Smooth. <laughs> All right. So this next one, hunting. Speaking of smooth, one. though, you're over there sipping on some smooth stuff. And I actually sent an email into the kitchen to try to <laughs> try secure. To get you, yeah, trying to, to procure right? uh some bourbon and no one is responding. Is the supply chain oh the supply chain's down? It's not good. No, that's <laughs> I don't know what other device I have. Well, I was so smooth that I'd spilled half my glass on the top of my bar while we were talking. So, you know, so there's that. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So next, give, give me 10 seconds. I'm just, you're going to see me like, we're going to cut to, we're going to cut to, uh, a PSA, a public service announcement. While John runs to get himself a, uh, a smooth beverage. How you guys doing out there? And uh, in Instagram land, <clears throat> I see Wilson McSwain hopping in and out of here. He was mad that I let the uh, turkey out of the bag, so to speak. Boone that County he, bourbon. That he that he missed Boone County bourbon. Nice. I like it. Boone County bourbon. Yeah, I like it. Had to place my order. Yeah, you need to work on the help around there, man. Oh, I'm telling you, good help's hard to find. It it, it is, man. It is. <laughs> I'm going to pour myself another little sip here since I spill half half of mine. Um, all right. So next uh, question. This one's hunting related as well. Um, says, how far do you think your uh, our scent travels in the timber? You know, knowing that there's a lot of different factors, et cetera. You know, just kind of they're curious to mm-hmm. think you know, of our opinion of how far we think our uh-huh. scent travels while uh-huh. we're in, while we're in a tree or in a hunting situation. Do you want to go first? Ooh. Do you want me to go first? Uh, go ahead. All right. So I'm a nerd and I actually read this at one point somewhere because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, but what the, I guess kind of what the general knowledge or general understanding is, is that it, it will travel nice a little Kentucky bourbon like it. 
it's a, it will travel about a quarter of a mile if there isn't like any reduction in scent or anything kind of that the hunter does to try to reduce their, their footprint, you know, in, in, in the timber. Now with yep. that, I think that that's a general guide, which I think, I don't know, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I want to say a quarter of a mile is around like 400 yards or something like that. Um, but I think, you know, wind of course is going to play a factor in that, like which direction the wind is blowing, right. Uh, humidity is going to play a factor in that, how far it's going to carry. Um, I think also one of the things that was really interesting and I wanted to, you know, when I saw this question, it was something I wanted to bring up because I was actually talking to, to Zach from the hunting public about this because we were talking about ground hunting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you know, being mind mindful, um, mm-hmm. for that person says 400 meters is a quarter of a mile. So that person is better at math than me. So thank you, sir. Tip of glass to you, Jay Wes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, look how far a deer comes for food or a scent bomb. There you go. Another one. That's using a little bit of a, a little bit of a common sense approach as we talked about common sense earlier. Look at that. There you go. Tying all the pieces together. Um, yeah. But what he was kind of talking about, because we were, we were talking about, you know, watching you know, how you work the wind and be mindful of your scent when you're hunting it from the ground versus an elevated, elevated situation. And what he basically said was, he was like, you know, he doesn't have any science to back this up, but he was saying, he's like, I feel like I can get away with more in terms of scent when I'm on the ground. He's like, because just like with, you know, sound, he's like, especially earlier in the year when there's a lot of foliage, he's like, your scent is being grabbed by anything that's kind of going by, right. And clinging to. Yeah, so yeah. in a sense, like anything that's between you and the animal's nose, trees, bushes, vegetation, whatever the case is, should at some point start to reduce your scent profile as it gets closer, closer to mm-hmm. them. Right. Mm-hmm. Logically, common sense wise, it seems to make sense. Cause I know, you know, if you think about when you're hunting in early season versus late season and a sound, like there's yep. things you hear in late season that you will never hear, you know, when you are, you know, hunting early season, you know what I mean? Right. Just by, based on the, the amount of buffering that you have with the, with the, the, the leaves on the yep. trees and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, we've all seen those diagrams where you're up in the tree and they talk about, you know, your scent cone blowing down. And, and if you've got that valley you know, behind you, then you can actually get your scent to travel over top of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, when you're up in a tree, I could see that scent potentially going, going further, uh, faster. And, and I, I understand where they're coming from as far as like, um, with there being leaves and stuff to kind of grab it, slow it down. But I, I still think it's going to get there. Um, I think I read something a long time ago that was talking about a white-tailed deer could smell, you know, human a mile, two miles away, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the right conditions, the right funnel, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, valley or creek or something like that to to carry it down there. I, I think it's definitely possible. Chances are that deer's a mile away, two miles away. Maybe he was planning on coming to the base of my tree. Maybe not, you know, right. Um, I, you know, I'm a big firm believer in, in ozonics. Um, I know nothing is they, people will say nothing is hundred percent foolproof. I still try to play the wind. Uh, ozonics. I do feel like has allowed me to, uh, as I refer to as slicing the pie, 
it's allowed mm-hmm. me to make that pie a little wider and, and to gain a little bit more time um, and kind of tiptoe on that edge. But I don't know. Um, I don't know how far they can truly smell. And obviously the strength of the smell, mm-hmm. you know, if I hadn't bathed in three days and, you know, and I ran into the woods, um, I know that it's going to dissipate as it travels. Mm-hmm. So the cleaner I can be at the beginning and with some ozone or something like that, then I think by the time it does make it to three, 400 yards, maybe it's dissipated enough to where they don't know exactly what it is or how strong it is. Is it present? Is it past? Or maybe what direction it came from or where, what direction it really is. Um, sure. If it's downwind, it originated in that area, but, man, you start getting three, 400 yards away from a scent cone and you might pin, you know, I'm, I'm only just assuming I'm a deer and, right. and I'm like, Oh, I'm downwind. And I smell something from there. Does the deer know that there was possibly an embankment that, that, that shifted from, you know, you know what right. I'm saying? Like they yeah. may think it came from here, but really you're over here. And it's just right. that your scent went down into that Valley and wrapped around. Right. Directionally, so, do they know directionally exactly where it came from? Because I think, you know, it's like they can pinpoint you if it's it's straight. I, I get what you're saying. It's like if it's made yeah. three, three, like a vertical move and three horizontal moves until it got it's there. strong and concentrated. You know, it hadn't had a chance to dissipate over time. So for me, I am trying to protect my scent in that um, hundred yards. Mm-hmm. I really want to control as much as I can at a hundred yards. I think beyond that, I think you have a really good chance of dissipating. <laughs> Wilson, uh, Carol Baskin would still smell you. <laughs> Carol Baskin. She started Corona. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Oh man. I've so, already decided the first time I bust a Turkey this year that, you know, blows one out or a bird picks me off. I'm going to yell, damn it. Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's your fault exactly i think carol baskin put the voodoo on me while i was in iowa is what i think happened dude hey i'm gonna go out on record 100 she fed her husband to the lions yeah i haven't watched it i got through like the first like 15 minutes of it and i was like this is like every person i ever met in orlando i was like i'm good i'm glad you said it because yeah. i've been to florida i lived in orlando been, i lived there for 10 I've years been so. to, when i was just in rural Florida outside outside of Orlando um I was about 45 minutes away from from Orlando and I saw a Fiero still operational I'm surprised you saw only one um I saw guys wearing uh uh lots of guys still on crotch rockets with like gloves and affliction shirts and tap out shirts and stuff oh yeah um (laughs) <laughs> it was it was kind of it was pretty comical it's so a, it's, a, it's an interesting place it is it reminded me of kentucky a little yeah. bit yeah <laughs> everyone everyone has a little spot you know like uh-huh. you know, like there's like you go to every state and like they each have a little uh a little yeah. north like we always said like living in orlando it's like orlando is a weird melting pot but like when you went up north into like rural orlando like people don't or i'm sorry rural Florida, people don't realize like Florida has like some really, really rural areas, you know? Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. and when you get up near that, like Florida, Georgia line, man, it gets weird. 
you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Up there. Like, it's just like this weird cultural shift that happens. Yeah. It's like, it's like, they're, yeah. it's 30 years behind everything. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's just some great, nice people. You know what I mean? Like oh, we play so, yeah. show, shows there and concerts there and it's like yep. great salt of the earth people, but like they yep. got, they got a weird streak. You know yeah, I mean? Everybody was super friendly. It's almost like, it's like a little time capsule. Yeah. It yeah. stopped yeah. at like 1989. Yeah, exactly. Didn't go any further. <laughs> It's like, hey, 89 was a great year. We're good. It's we're great. Just, we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, we're going to do this over yeah. and over again. And, you know, and we were talking about intelligence and common sense. When I think of Florida, all I can think about is beach, ocean, palm trees, like, you know. Oh, there's a lot of bruh. Down yeah, there, so bruh. it's like, yeah, it's salt And life, then you go, you go inland and they're hunting hogs and, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, it just still seems weird to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't, cause it's just not what I think of when I think of Florida. Well, but. what's interesting is like, you know, um, at least where I grew up in Pennsylvania, it's like there was a delineation between being a redneck and being anything else or a hillbilly mm-hmm. and anything else. You know what I mean? It's sure. like if you were uh-huh. that, you were quintessentially that, like you weren't really part of any other like cultural, like subculture group. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it just yeah. wasn't the case. Florida is a really weird place where it's like, I had friends of mine that were like in a rock band, like you would see them on stage. <laughs> they were signed, like touring with, they're actually on tour with Motley Crue, like a couple different times. And they That's were weird, surfers. Man. Like they all surfed, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But like they were the biggest like rednecks you ever met in your life. But it's uh-huh. like, you would, you know what I mean? It was like this weird, like I'm a surfer, bruh. And I'm in a, like a rock band, but like <laughs> I'm pounding bush lights surfing on Saturday and Sunday. And I'm going to go get into a bar fight later tonight. You know what I mean? Like, right, like, right. And then I'm going to go like shoot some gators later. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like a weird, like a weird melting pot. Like it the whole it is. It, it, yeah, it is for sure. But, uh, all right. So anyway, to get back on, back on track here, cause this thing kicks us off whenever we get to about an hour. So we have probably about 15 ish more minutes to go. Okay. Um, okay. So I think we covered the scent thing, I, I think, pretty uh, pretty well. I think the net net is, is that we're always kind of looking to see, you know, figure out what that barrier is of how close are we getting before we're totally giving up our wind, right? Like how much is a deer going to tolerate, you know? And yeah. I think it's different in different scenarios. I think you have to take into consideration wind direction, foliage. I think, are you hunting off the ground? Or are you hunting on the ground? Are you, what are your thermals doing? I think there's a lot of things that play into like, how far can you get away with something versus how, how, or how, how, how far can you not? Right. Yeah. And so I think that's the, the moral of the story there. So the, uh, the next question here is actually, we're going back to a business question. Um, this one is how do you think digital advertising will change in the next three years? So, um, I don't know. Do you want me to take this or do you want to take it first? Uh, I can't remember what we did last time. I don't remember. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. That works. Yeah. Ready? Yep. Right. One, two, three. Oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> uh, on. Th- I think we're synced. Yeah, we're synced up. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Ready? Set. One. One, two. <laughs> this is the worst rock, paper, scissors game it's ever. It's horrible. Okay. <laughs> okay you, do the, go you do the time. Okay. We're going to go on three or we're going to go three and then go. We're going to go one, two, three, shoot. All right. That's how we're going to do this. Okay. One, Ready? Shoot. Ready? Ready? One, two, three, shoot. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <All right>. Go <laughs> ahead. All right. I don't know if that's winning or losing, but <laughs> I won the rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> you did. Oh. <laughs> All right. So the question was, how do you think digital advertising will change in the next mm-hmm. three years? 
I think there's a couple significant ways that it's going to change. I think one is, and I'm not an expert on, on this, on this aspect. I mean, I do a lot of digital marketing, but this aspect of digital marketing, I'm not necessarily an expert per se, which is uh, blockchain. And blockchain is essentially like a, well, part of it is cryptocurrency too, but it's also a way that is, that data is being protected and it's being used by, it was starting to be used by a lot of different companies. It's seeping into healthcare at some point, which is going to be a big game changer. Once healthcare, it gets fully integrated into healthcare. Once it gets into like retail spaces, credit card stuff, that's going to be a game changer from a consumer and a digital marketing, uh, from a digital marketing perspective. Because what it's going to do is right now when you go to the store and you buy something, you use your credit card and you put in your information or you sign up for like some type of like perks program or whatever, you know, you're giving up a lot of your information and that company then owns that information. It's likely selling mm-hmm. it off. A lot of them, you know, are selling it off or at minimum, the brand that you just purchased from is now going to then therefore use that information to then serve ads to you, create lookalike profiles. And that's how they're going to start to build some of their marketing and targeting around mm-hmm. Once it moves to blockchain, the consumer now retains that responsibility or retains the rights to their information still, and they have to give you permission on a piece-by-piece basis. So I could say yes to you know, X brand that, yeah, I'm going to allow you to send emails and emails only, but you're not going to be able to follow me on, on, online, right? You're not going to be able to show up in my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed or whatever the case is. And what, the, what that really means is, is that it really kind of turns the focus back on the marketers having to be really strategic about knowing who their target audience is and how to communicate with them. Because now it becomes more about content and uh, intent than it does about just knowing that I can track this person around and I can bombard them with messages. So you have to be very strategic about the content you're putting out because the content is going to be the dangling, like, you know, golden ticket. that's going to get them to unlock certain pieces of information for you. I think one of the other things that's going to happen too, this is kind of going back to the one of the questions we had earlier about the whole COVID-19 thing and how that's you know changing retail and so forth is that all these brands now are having to over-rotate so hard to digital because it's the only thing they can do right now because they have to do, they have to basically approach their business from a non-personal perspective because they're really limited in their personal, you know, person-to-person inter- interactions. That's going to drive the cost up in most of the online inventory spaces. So like Facebooks and stuff like that. Uh, Instagram, all those normal places that you get a pre- as a smaller business, you get a pretty fair shake or a pretty cheap inventory. Like yep. those are going to kind of go go out the window, and so you have to start looking at like what's the zig when other people are zagging and buying up all that inventory. Like what's the next cheapest thing that's going to get you the reach that you want? Um, I think it's also going to, I think unwise brands or less sophisticated brands are going to use digital as a strategy as a, as opposed to a channel and opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that, you know, you'll oftentimes see that, like, you know, they think of digital as a, like, well, that's our strategy. We're going to be digital, right? It's like, well, no strategy, you know, digital is a tactic or it is a channel depending on how, how you're using it. Right. And so yeah. it kind of goes back to the fundamentals of, of marketing and advertising of understanding your target audience, understanding your unique selling proposition and what your differentiation is and how you build a strategy around your brand. And then ultimately how you build your content strategy, because that's truly going to be your, your strategy to a degree. Mm-hmm. Right. For and sure. I think, I think those are a couple of the ways over the next three years that you're going to see digital advertising evolve one, just from some technological advancements. Um, another one, because an inundation of people getting into that space. And then the other part is, is like the big players are going to dictate some of it as well. So like the Facebooks and stuff like that, that are, that kind of, um, 
that are changing their algorithm and stuff like that all the time to kind of optimize based on the metrics that they are going to prioritize. And so I just know, I know that Facebook is slowly but surely moving away from like, it's the reason why you post something and even five people see it now when you have 6,000 followers or whatever. Right. And what they're doing is they're trying to prioritize and go back to way Facebook was very early on, which was very much more community based and less publisher based. Right. And so they really want you to start groups and have groups of like 200 people that are really engaged with one another versus a page with like seven, 8,000 followers that you barely engage with and the people don't engage with each other. And so that's going to be the other big move is like, is creating community is going to be the other kind of like big move for digital, you know, advertising in my opinion. So that's my, that's my diatribe, my two cents. I like it. I like it. Um, I think like we talked about earlier, in light of everything that's going on, companies are going to be looking at a lot of different ways to cut costs, save money, um, to free up funds to to do what they're doing. Either they're not going to do anything and, and they're going to have to find ways of consolidating logistics and work with a lot of partner agencies on shipping and things like that. That's one way. But as far as the digital ad space goes, I think you're right. I think Google things like Google AdWords are going to continue to climb because now you're going to have more players in it. And I do think that there's going to be a, a huge shift to the online, whether it be online. I talked to some friends of mine and they did online Walmart for the first mm-hmm. time to have it brought outside and delivered and, and things. And it's just like, wow, you know, that's crazy to think how those things are happening. Um, platforms. You know, I didn't, things like TikTok, I didn't know if that was really going to be a thing. Now I'm changing my tune a hundred percent. It's going to be a player because with, with more and more people going digital and if you can't afford Facebook, cause let's just say that's going to be the first rush, Instagram and Facebook, that's mm-hmm. going to be the first thing. And if you're not hitting your numbers, where you want to be, you need to go into something a little more untapped. People are going to going to start shifting more to the TikToks and, and some of those things. Um, Amazon, you know, Alexa, Echo, all that kind of stuff, like yeah. voice stuff is going to become more and more because no one's bought that yet. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that, that's going to become untapped, but eventually that's going to take off. And in three years, holy shit, is that a long time? Yep. In the, dig- I mean? in the digital space, it's a lifetime. It's it is. Yeah. Totally. I mean, um, I'm trying to think when I first started a Facebook account or like I first started an Instagram. I think I didn't even have Instagram until like 2013. I think that's when yeah. I got Instagram. So, and for the first three years, I didn't do anything on it. You know, I just yeah. did it to kind of see what everybody else was doing. And then, you know, you have those moments where you're like six months later, you're like, oh, yeah. I haven't been on Instagram in six months, you know, but so I, (laughs) excuse me, platform base, I think is going to be a lot of stuff. um, And it's going to open the door for a lot more, a lot more, call it like outside the box, you know, marketing. And, um, you know, I'll go out on a limb here and think of some old ways. Mm -hmm. Vehicle wraps. That's like take that's taking it back a long way. I was just gonna say, man, like that's this thing. It's like whenever everyone rushes to that place, it's like they're inevitably leaving something. Yeah. Right? Because they're usually they're not spending 
it's so you know, huge. It's, yeah, it's like going into going into like once everyone goes and jumps on all digital, you know, and just kind of doubles down on yeah. that. It's like they're going to have to spend less in other places. In many instances, most a lot of companies, right? Yeah. Which means there's more inventory available, and and, and ad space, yeah. no matter what it is, exists on the same kind of plane as anything else, which is supply and demand, right? It's like, if there is a larger supply, than there is a demand. They have to make it cheaper to entice people to buy it. So, so traditional advertising, you know, will likely, you know, has already seen its heyday, but will likely continue to drop. I would imagine it gets to a point to where Mm -hmm. you and I might be able to do like traditional advertising. That becomes a thing that small businesses can and should be doing because you're going to get the most juice for the squeeze out of those, out of those assets. Yeah. Well, you know, like, Years ago with Wicked Tree Gear, we we rolled the dice on something that paid off huge for us. You know, it was digital, 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 you know what I mean? TV, spots, whatever. And we went with outdoor news, newspaper. And the idea behind it was they were losing sales. We could get more for less. Um, So you talk about supply and demand. Mm -hmm. You know, we were able to capitalize on that. But then the thought process behind it was, in the digital space, let's just assume that a ton of 15 to 20 year olds are always on social media 24 mm-hmm. 7. When I was 15 to 20, I didn't have money to go buy a pulsar. Nope. But if I'm 50 or 60 and I refuse to tap into digital and I've got my newspaper, 50, 60 year olds, they have probably have that extra income at this point in life house probably maybe the first house is paid off maybe they got a car paid off you know what i mean yep. they're empty nesters at this point you, know, you start looking at all these things and very small niche audience but we could own it you know yep. what i mean we could own that niche so i do i'm a firm believer in in niche marketing always have been always will be wicked tree gear the colors yellow and black Iowa right. Hawkeyes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I've always said, it doesn't matter where your company starts from. 50% of your time, energy, and effort needs to be in your target area. The other 50% is digital grabbing different things and see what's working. Whenever it works, then grab some chips from the other thing, put it into that thing, you know, whatever, but always own your market grassroots guerrilla market, your area, um, festivals, town, town festivals, my buddy Ward, um, has got that company musket powder. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was talking to him the other day and I'm trying to encourage him to do more taste of Fort Worth type, you know, deals. Now I don't know with COVID if it's going to be a thing this summer or not. Right. But, right. Um, but man, guerrilla marketing is, is still effective. And again, if somebody becomes totally inundated with digital ads, they're going to go elsewhere. And that's why I say like vehicle wraps, you know, if you're on your phone, you're, you're on the book of faces and you're doing your thing and then you get in a vehicle and you're driving around and you're like, eh, product B. Yeah. Like that's an, uh, you're, it's in an untapped mind situation. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's it. You're, you're disconnected from your phone, from the, from other things. So now you're fresh. I still believe, uh, I, it was a movie back in the day. They put the, the scrolling ticker on the back of a bathroom stall door. Dude, you know what I mean? I still or above, think or above, that the, shit above would work. the above the urinal. Yeah, you know I, what it's I mean? huge because, yeah. like, you know, 
unfortunately everyone's got everyone's got to take a leak you know yeah yeah at, I mean, at a I, venue i still i think i think now is the time that people if they're not if they're not about to go under and they've got some some marketing dollars now's the time to start to play and everybody's like oh you know now's a good time to play in the stock market no man invest in your business right now try some unorthodox out of the box things you know be smart about it yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, we're not um, we're not advocating like going out in the street and like burning your money, but you know yeah, I mean? like, but now's the time to take some risk in some in some different platforms, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, it's like the other thing is too is just you know is own own content, like the content, like your ads or your advertisements or your advertising or your marketing should look like value content, like that 100%. to me is like is is the is the, is the play, um, hundred percent. But we're about out of time here, man. We're only okay. going to do 60 minutes on this jammer. we got about two minutes before it's going to kick us off. So, okay. Johnny, thank you for coming on. Everyone go check out Arrow Wild. Check out Johnny Utah Creative. Yeah. Check out Bourbon Barrel Calls. And help John plant, plant a food plot if you're in Iowa. There you go. All right, brother. Talk awesome, to you soon. Good talking to you. See you, buddy. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and hell while you're at it, head over to YouTube and subscribe to that as well. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Gumleaf USA Boots. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.